Off the Woodwork. 92.9 The Games MLS Soccer Podcast. Glad to have you. Welcome in week three. Kyle Tate, Craig Carlos Valentino. What's nice, up, buddy? Nice choice on the music this well, week. Well, you know, I mean, he did a great job with the uh, Golden Spike, so you got to give him a little shout out at the beginning of the show. Outstanding. I love the Golden Spike, by the way. That actually is a pretty cool tradition that we got going on. At That's- first, I thought, what is this? This is this is forcing culture, but my uh, my thoughts on it have changed significantly. So you've bought in now. I've bought in. There it is. I think it's a great idea. It's a great throwback to the old days of Atlanta being terminus yes. and being the sort of central hub of all these railroads. I think it's a, a great throwback to Atlanta history. And I like all the celebrities. I mean, we've we, first week we had Young Jock. Now we have you know Rich Homie Quan. I mean. Now I think I was reading one of the articles that says now we need the Migos. I mean, we got to get you know Outcast back. We got to get one twelve. We got to get everybody who's ever been good in Atlanta to come back and put this in to keep the street going. Outcast, outstanding. Hey <laughs> y'all, the gold chant, awesome. Well, uh, off the woodwork, our weekly soccer podcast with ninety two nine the game. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at off the w nine two nine. You can also follow myself at here Kyle Tate. You can follow CCV at Craig C Valentino. Uh, follow us for all the soccer insight you can handle. You can also follow the station at 92.9 The Game. Got all that on social media? Yes. Good. Um, but uh, it, it, it's been a great time so far with Off the Woodwork. Uh, we've had two great shows already, and uh, now we can wrap up a 4-0 win over Chicago Fire and take us into the first international break of the MLS campaign. What a wild win it was. And uh, me and Craig, we, we went through our predictions last week and I was way off. I said that these two teams are closely matched. I said that Chicago Fire was going to be a, a team that, uh, you know, with the improvements they had made turning over the midfield, yep. uh, plus the the addition of uh, Nikolic. And I, I really thought Chicago Fire was a much improved team this year. And I still think they are. But the red card in the 12th minute for one of their key defenders in Johan Kapelhoff and Joseph Martinez just picking apart that defense plus Tito Vialba as well. 4-0 the final, and we'll break this thing down from all angles. But the biggest story of the game, in my mind, CCV, was the atmosphere. Because compared to day one, compared to New York Red Bulls two weeks ago, the atmosphere was, uh, the crowd was on the same page. Yep. All four supporter groups had that place yep. absolutely rocking. I mean, this is a video that I took during the game. A Viking chant with the ATL influence. Yeah, you can't, you can't, that's, you can't manufacture that. No. That's passion right there. That's what, that's what fans, that's the kind of stuff you see tailgating. That's the kind of stuff that you see people talk about during the week, excited, ready to go. Everybody was saying, oh, you had 50 something thousand the first week, but can you do it again? It would have been again if they weren't doing renovations. That's how excited people were to be there. They tried to do it in the first game against New York Red Bulls, and it didn't catch on. It didn't catch on across the stadium. But with this, I actually had somebody tweet me earlier today, um, and it's it's Monday when we're recording this, by the way, for those listening later on the week. Or Tuesday on the West Coast. Or, <laughs> or Tuesday Coast. on the West Coast. Tuesday yeah. on the East Coast. How we-, we always do this in the middle of the night for whatever reason. <laughs> we're night owls. That's yeah. how we roll. But uh, I had somebody tweet me who was in the supporter group section, and they had no idea that it had caught on throughout the stadium. It was loud, but of course it's going to be loud when you're in the SGs. Yeah. But we were in the press box, and or I was anyway. I was in the press box, and it was absolutely 
I mean, I, I had headphones on, and I couldn't hear Adam Schick and Jason Longshore on the call with both ears covered because it was just that loud. Yeah, it was one of those things, and I'm watching it on on the uh, the the simulcast we had on because I had to do the Hawks game as well. And I'm sitting here watching it here, and it's like you could just feel the atmosphere, and it was so funny because I was just laughing at the people those those pundits naysayers that were saying, "Yeah, well, you know, Atlanta's not a sports town, and they came out because it's new or whatever. We'll see if they can continue this going." Well. Two games down, two home games down. Now we've seen that the fans love this team. They come out and support this team. And it seems like this team rallies behind the support they get from the fans. The first game you're saying, okay, it's a shiny new toy. 55,000 people come out just to see what this whole soccer thing is all about. The second game, 45,000 more. Still a sellout. 10,000 seats were obviously decommissioned because of construction for Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium. But, I mean, how many more sellouts, how many more amazing crowds and atmospheres do you have to build up for – media to start saying and and buying into this as a real deal type thing to give Atlanta United and MLS a seat at the Atlanta sports table. I think it's more of when it comes to the media, you know, they'll never be on board until it's just, it's, you can no longer argue it, but I think the fans here, I think they've all bought in. I think we as, uh, we as people being part of the Atlanta United whole soccer, you know, scene, scene here, we're excited about it when it comes to it because we knew that there was always this passion for soccer in Atlanta. You knew that if you built something that could be ours, that we could rally around, that people would show up. And so it kind of makes all of us to say, hey, we told you soccer could work here if you just give it a chance. And I think that you, sooner or later the media would jump on board, pretend like they were always there, but the real fans, and like I said, and the fans that are now jumping on know that this is something that's exciting to watch. It's something to be part of. And if you can get on something at the ground floor, you know, that's exciting, you definitely want to do it. And a tip of the cap to Darren Eels, a tip of the cap to Carlos Bocanegra, to Arthur Blank, to Paul McDonough. Everybody in the Atlanta United front office has built this thing the right way because they understood Atlanta would, yes, get behind a team from the start, but they'd really get behind a winner. And I don't think any of us had any idea that Atlanta United was going to be able to do what they've done, winning two of their first three matches. And not only that, but a goal differential of plus nine in their last two games. Yeah, just a little bit. I don't think anybody <laughs> saw that. Coming out of the gate. And if you did, you were definitely lying. We knew that they'd be explosive. I mean, Darren Hill said on this radio station here at 929 The Game that we were, you know, we're going to mirror this after the Falcons. We want to be fast and we want to be physical. We want to be out there and we want to score goals. We want to, we'd rather lose games 4 3 than, you know, 1 0. And I mean, the way this team is set up, you see that they do have that speed, that young hunger out there when they play. But no one thought they'd be able to just pump these goals out like this the way they've been doing. It's been amazing to see. So here's what's coming up on Off the Woodwork today. Uh, we got a lot of cuts from postgame on Saturday. Uh, we heard from Julian Gressel, Alec Can, of course, Tata Martino. Uh, Joseph Martinez even talked about his fine form. I mean, he's leading the Golden Boot Race through three matches. He already has five goals. Just give goals. it to him. It's over. It's he done. Had, there are three MLS teams that have more goals than Joseph Martinez. Of course, one of those is Atlanta. Yeah. I think Portland and Houston are the yeah. other two. And then there's Joseph Martinez in fourth on the team goal list. He's, he's owning the league when it comes to goals. Like he's got more than Seattle, more than I mean, you can pick a team. This guy is pretty much getting it done out there. And I think we've only scratched the surface of what he can do in this offense. It's pretty remarkable. So we'll break this thing down from all angles. The four nil win. We'll break it down goal by goal and the red card for Johan Kappelhoff. And then we're actually going to hear from Julian Gressel, who would talk about he, he had a, a huge role in Saturday's win. And he, he's had a big role, too. He's a rookie. He was a super draft pick. Uh, I mean, this guy has really come out of nowhere. He's getting starts over MLS and, and soccer veterans. Um, I mean, like Jeff Lorenowitz, I thought Lorenowitz had a spot in the starting 11 on a weekly basis. And instead, it's been Gressel to everybody's surprise. And the kid has really shown. Well, we had a chance to sit down for five minutes uh, with him. We'll, we'll hear from him later on. 
as well on the show. And then we'll open up the mailbag as well. We've got this thing going live on Periscope right now. Later on in the show, don't send us your questions yet because on Periscope they disappear and we can't. Yeah, exactly. We uh, can't read that fast. <laughs> right. So, uh, But we'll, we'll open up the mailbag. We'll take questions later on in the show. And Periscope, we've also got a couple of questions that have come in on Twitter throughout the week. So let's talk about this game. The first goal right out of the gate. Atlanta United's MO seems to be to score in the first five minutes and set the other team right on their heels out of the start. It was an own goal. Julian Gressel had it in the attacking third. In fact, he had it in the box. And his cross knocked in by Brandon Vincent in the fourth minute. And Gressel, after the game, discussed what he was trying to do with this cross. Space, Tito had the ball in a good spot up top of the box. I just saw the space and uh, yeah, ran there, told Tito to play to me, and he did. And then uh, I just figured I'd just play back in a dangerous position. And luckily, somebody deflected it and just went in. I don't know if somebody actually was behind him of our players or not, but I just thought that putting him back in a dangerous position would give us a better chance than me shooting. CCV, you had a good point about this, uh, this whole philosophy. If you just put it in the general direction of the goal, something good's going to happen. Just put it in a good position and hope that it goes in, and in this case, it did. That's one of those sports kind of expressions that you always hear. You hear it in hockey. You hear it in basketball. If you crash the boards, you go towards the net. If you go towards their goal, good things happen. And so I always say if you don't have a play, cross it across the middle. You never know what's going to happen as long as you cross the ball across the middle. It could be deflected. It could be you know non-communication. All of a sudden, you got a guy coming on the back post you didn't see coming. These are the kind of things that happen in soccer you don't see coming. Good things happen when you crash the net or when you crash the woodwork, as we would say. Good things happen. So at the end of the day, I was surprised that it happened, but not really because the way this team attacks after wave after wave, you know good things are going to happen if you keep going forward. I loved what Gressel said in that cut, too, toward the end. He said, I figured if I, if I crossed it, it was a much better result or a much better possible result than if I shot and the very next question, I was there for, for the media scrum after the game. The very next question was, did you think it all about shooting? And Gressel said, yeah, I thought about it for a second, but I thought better of it. <laughs> yeah, He's like, from this angle, from this, it's going to be a tough stuff, especially when you know you have those kind of guys, Martinez, and you have Assad and all the guys that are coming that are looking at that second and third wave that are actually you know, right there in front of the goalie. It makes, it makes a better, you have a way better chance to be able to get those guys to score because with everybody crashing towards you. So he made the right play, and he got lucky. You know, Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and he was definitely lucky on the play. Well, not only did Gressel set up the first goal, but eight minutes later, the 22-year-old Passed it ahead to Martinez, and he set up this, the Johan Kappelhoff red card. Gressel intercepts Atlanta now. Martinez, he was brought down. The referee is going to say it's a foul for Atlanta. We'll have to wait and see what the referees decide. Should be a yellow. I don't think, and it's no, a red. I don't think that's the right decision. It's a red. And that's how it sounded from Unimas and Univision. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Right call on the red card? We'll discuss it length later on. It was in the mailbag. But... That red card was surprising to some, not surprising to others. Because how far away he was from the box when it happened. I mean, it's one of those, if it's a lot closer, if it's right on the, if it's right on the line, then everybody, no one has a doubt with it. But he was, I mean, he was a good 10 yards still away from the box. So, But he definitely had the breakaway. He was the final guy. So by the rule, the letter of the law, you could see the ref going that way. I mean, as a United fan, we've been on the short stick on some of the calls that hasn't went our way. So I'll definitely take them when they uh, when the coin is flipped and it lands on our side. So I mean, at, it's tough to see, and you feel bad for another team to to go down a guy with 80 more minutes still to play in a game. That's definitely tough to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I'll take the, as a United fan, I'll take it all day. <laughs> I won't apologize for it. <laughs> Not only that, with 78 minutes left, but Johan Kapelhoff was also on the MLS Team of the Week last week. Yeah. <laughs> he was their key defender. I mean, the, everybody was raving about what Kapelhoff was able to do in a 2-0 win. We talked about it last over week. Over Real Salt yeah. Lake. Yeah, we you're absolutely well. right. 
And he ended up being a complete non-factor because he was in the dressing room by the 13th minute. Matter of fact, he took a shower before I did. So I'm like, yeah, he was pretty much done for the night. And so when you can lose a guy like that, you could definitely see them going back into their shell. And they really didn't have much options from that point on. They ended up subbing out a, a forward to bring in more defense just because they knew that the best well, best opportunity they were going to have in this game was to be able to pull a point if they can go nil-nil. But at the end of the day, they just do it. I mean, try to get maybe get one later to make it 1-1. But they knew they were going to have against this kind of offense – you, you definitely – it's tough to stop them with 11. With 10 is almost impossible. Well, from that red card on, it completely changed the game. And you, you had a feeling that Atlanta was just going to blow the doors off of it. But it took some time to actually break down Chicago. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But here's what Julian Gressel thought after the game about how the red card changed things. Obviously, the red card helps. Um, obviously, being a man up, it definitely helps. It gives us a little more time on the ball. And if we spread out – the way we did, I think we can keep the ball and just play simple. Don't have to complicate things because the space will automatically be there when we move the right way, you know. So, uh, no, the red card, I think, was the key factor for that. So that was Gressel talking about the red card. And I really liked what Alec Can said after the game about how hard it is to break down a team that's down to 10 men. Because your, your first thought is, oh, they only have 10 men. This is going to be easy. We'll be able to pick them apart and find holes and... Chicago Fire, out of necessity, had to pull back and park the bus. And so essentially it changed what they were trying to do, where they had, of course, the four guys on the back line, and they had four midfielders, too, who were back there. You're talking about eight guys who were within 30 yards of goal. It's hard to break through that because all of a sudden you're just trying to to break through a sea of defenders. There's not a whole lot of room. Because they're only now, like I said, and we were talking about this just just the segment a little bit before this, it's... Their main goal now is not to let anything else in the goal. If we can find a way to maybe get one counter later to get this back to 1-1, then this is great. It's an amazing thing. At but that you, point, they're just you, trying to split the points. Exactly. You're just like saying, hey, maybe I can get one. But you know you can't give up a second one. So you'd rather sit eight, nine guys in front of the box and you know pretty much try to weather the storm that's coming towards you. And to see, and we could talk about some of the stats a little bit later, but see that they were able to pass at 80% in the final third with eight guys surrounding the box is an amazing. It talks about how well these guys click on the offensive side and finding each other and being able to pick apart a defense. Yeah, and you mentioned the the statistics. We won't get too deep into it, but possession, something like 82 or 83% for Atlanta simply because Chicago had to pull back so early after Kappelhoff was sent off. Uh, something like 90-plus percent passing over the course of the entire game. Just it was insane. <laughs> ridiculous numbers, absolutely ridiculous numbers. Well, here's what Alec Can had to say after the game about how long it took because it was 1-0 right out of the gate. It was 1-0 at half, and Atlanta United wasn't able to break through again until 15 minutes into the second half. Here's Can. Um, it's tough to break down 10 men. I mean, they're going to be organized, compact. We did a really good job of moving the ball and moving off the ball. Um, and that's why we had success. So everyone put in a great performance today. You know, I had an argument with a couple of people on Twitter over this because what arguments on Twitter? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> there were a couple of people who jumped in and, and said it's never an advantage to be down to ten men. Well, you're right, but that's not what Can is saying. He's not saying that it's an advantage to be down to ten men. He's saying it's tough for your offense then to break down. 10 men because eight of those 10 are within 30 yards of goal. There's just no space. Whereas when there are 11 men on the field, they're obviously trying to get on the counterattack. They're trying to move it forward and, so to speak, to borrow the, the terminology from American sports, run their offense, I yeah, guess, yeah. For, for lack of a better way to put it. But they're trying to do what they're trying to do and, and run their game. 
when they have a man down, they're just pulling back, parking the bus. So that's what Ken was saying here. He wasn't saying it was an advantage for Chicago when they got tougher because they were down a man. It just was harder for Atlanta to break through and wear them down because they're just stuffing the box and there's no room to operate. Yeah, and you use another sports analogy. It's pretty much like college football or pro football. When you lose your quarterback, when you bring in a second quarterback, you have to run a different style offense. You can't do what you're usually normally you usually do when you have the ball. And this is kind of what happened with Chicago out there. You, they had a you know you have a game plan. This is what we want to do. We want to counter, get out on the attack, and push up. But when you're down to ten and you already see the speed, and that's the one thing. Game tape is one thing, but when you get out in the field and see how fast these guys are, it's a totally different thing. And in the first five minutes, you realize, man, these boys are quick. These boys got some speed out there. It changes everything. And then now you're playing with 10 guys. Like I said, you're just pretty much backing it in and just praying that something happens to where either they get a penalty against them or maybe you can get some kind of a counter, which leads to a penalty kick, and you can try to get back on the board. But you know that you know the odds are stacked against you once you're going to get 10 on 11 against this offense. There were a lot of nerves, I think, for the big crowd at Bobby Dodd. They were thinking, obviously, about the New York Red Bulls game and how it was 1-0 until late, and then Red Bulls got the two quick goals to win it 2-1. A lot of nerves, a lot of people saying United has to get a second goal here. And finally, it was the hat-trick hero from a week ago, Joseph Martinez, who broke through to double in. What an atmosphere. Here's Almiron. Martinez wants it. He's going to get it. What a ball, Martinez! Again, that from Univision. That made it 2-0. Tito Vialba then got his first goal of the season. It was great to see Vialba get into the scorer's book because uh, he was a guy that that a lot of people have spoken about highly coming into this season. He was the first designated player signed by the Five Stripes, and uh, I think that a lot of people were surprised it took three matches for him to find the back of the net. Garza picked up by Harrington. Pierce Garza can have a cross. He will. That's well defended. And the shot gone. Yes! That in the 67th minute. And then just for good measure, Martinez completes the brace and makes it 4-0. Assad, Makan checks in, won't get it. Yamin still on it. Goes first time, Martinez! Goal! By the way, that last goal was ridiculous. I, I sucked at math, so I'm not really good at angles and pro try. But for him to be able to – just to get to that ball first was already amazing. That showed what kind of speed he had because any other player gives up on that, you got no chance of going out of the back for you know for a free kick. For him to get to – I think the keeper was like, wait, wait, how'd you get to that? And to be able to curve it with his left foot to still be able to get at that angle to put in the back of the goal, that was world-class right there. That was amazing. Everybody had given up on it thinking that it was going to go over the end line and – Martinez was able to get to it and still somehow from it's an obtuse angle, by the way, in geometry, there you go. from an obtuse angle, still able to get it in. See, kids go to school. This is what happens. You know, these things like how <laughs> it's that Georgia tech. That's all I learned. It's was, that tech right there. See, it's only because I'm obtuse. That's University the of Washington, Georgia tech. There it is. <laughs> that just tells you what you need to know about the Pac-12. It, still, <laughs> it was an incredible goal. If you weren't there at Bobby Dodd, go back and watch the highlights on MLSsoccer.com. Do something because you have to see that. That fourth goal, that exclamation point at the end of it, it was really, really remarkable. So Joseph Martinez takes over. He gets the brace. He leads MLS with five goals at this point. Uh, second place has four. They've caught up to him a little bit. But uh, Tata Martino in postgame, he gave his take on what changed in the second half. 
So I think we were more precise in the second half. We found better balls to create chances. Um, in the first half, we were a little bit slow with uh, our ball circulation, moving the ball um, from side to side. Obviously, that threw a translator in postgame, but it, it was just a matter of breaking down Chicago Fire's wall that they had built. And part of that, I think, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, CCV, but in the second half, Atlanta started taking a lot more shots from long range. And that's what they needed to do. Was it, They needed to get Chicago Fire outside of that little rectangle that they had created in the last 30 yards. And so Almiron, uh, Assad, I think, took a couple of them. Of course, Joseph Martinez. They just start peppering the goal from distance, hoping that Chicago Fire will take a step out and defend the three ball, so to yeah, speak. Exa- and that's kind of what you have to do. When you have eight in the box like that, they're just going to sit there and not let you pass inside the box. You have to take quality shots on goal. You saw the second goal, you, I mean, the third goal you were talking about with uh, Vialba was that way. It's a cross that was sent over that went up being deflected away that fell right to his feet so he can come in and knock it away. You, it, with so many guys, you kind of have to spread them out because that's the one thing we've noticed about this team is when we can spread someone out, we have the speed to be able to get around people and find openings, but you can't do that when you have eight guys parked in the box. You've got to be able to put quality shots on goal, hoping the keeper can knock it away and can't handle it, and then you have guys that can clean it up around the goal. And, you know, that's kind of the game plan, and that's what, that's what really freed up this defense. You can't pick apart that many guys in a small area like that. There's just no room to pass. Yeah. There's no room for movement. I mean, you're a salmon swimming upstream with that much around you. So uh, that was Martino's take. After the game, Joseph Martinez talked about how he can continue his early season form through three matches. By training well, right? You don't change anything when you're playing well. Um, just always always stay focused. And But like I said at the beginning of the interview, it's not just me. I have to thank the team um, for the assists and all the support. And hopefully the streak um, doesn't end here. So he's at five goals through three matches. Joseph Martinez, legitimate contender in your mind for the MLS Golden Boot, or does he cool off? That's a really good question because young players, you don't know how long seasons are going to wear on their body. I mean, they usually come out of the gates pretty strong. And then, like you said, when you got international stuff, you got all these other different things going on. You got to travel. You got to fly back to fly all the way to Seattle. I mean, that stuff wears and tears in your body. For guys like us that are in our 30s, <laughs> that's definitely a lot. To, you know, you, we can't bounce back like these 23-year-olds can. So, I mean, I definitely see it. He has the talent to do it. That's the one thing. He has all the ability. He has and the speed and the, the pieces speed. around yeah. him setting he's, he's him up. He's got amazing guys that are setting him up to be able to do that. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more on the, on his supporting cast that he has with him that's making him so well. But So I wouldn't definitely wouldn't bet against him. But I know it's tough for a young guy coming into his first time in this league to be able to be the you know the leading goal scorer. That's, that's definitely a tough thing to do. We'll dive into that later on. And the contract that Atlanta United, at least the, the reports that came out of Italy when he came over on loan from Torino. We'll talk about that later on when we... Uh, dive into the mailbag a couple other postgame quotes that I wanted to get to and then we'll chat with Julian Gressel um, Alec can gave his keys to the win over Chicago yeah we were really organized defensively um, we knew that they were going to counter us they have a lot of pace uh, calm is very dangerous and we did a good job of kind of phasing him out of the game so we uh, we executed our game plan really well shutting down David Akam that's another point that yeah. we needed to discuss because Akam is still dangerous even when they're down to 10 men and obviously when you've got eight guys back there's not a whole lot to set him up that's, yes. a, that's a key point and also like you said since we know that they have eight we're sending more guys to try to break their defense so they're definitely looking for that counter so they can get back on it. and I thought you know we everybody was kind of giving you know Khan a lot of you know, 
grief after the first week. I thought he really stepped up this week. He didn't have much opportunity to score, but that one header that he saved was an amazing save. It's like those are the kind of plays that you don't – and it's tough for a keeper who's not in the game. You're pretty much standing there for 60 minutes, and all of a sudden there's a breakaway or there's a set piece and there's a header, and you're like, you got to make a quality save when you've done nothing for 50 minutes. You know, that's definitely a tough thing to do, and he showed up uh, this week. Yeah, Alec Can is certainly – showing his skill and he came over as knowing that he would be the second guy in line too he thought it was going to be behind sean johnson but then they ended up flipping sean johnson and now it's going to be behind brad guzan when he gets here when he leaves middlesbrough but um, But i think he's gonna have something to say about it well i I think that that another mls team is going to have an opportunity they're going to have an opening for a keeper and can is going to be at the top of everybody's transfer list yeah but i think it's one of those it's it's if you're a coach the first thing you walk into him you say hey you got three months this is your job. Yeah. We know there's a guy coming, but at the end of the day, if you want this job, make that. And they always say in everything in football and every sport it is when there's cuts, make it a tough decision for the coach. You know, make it make him have to sweat that at nighttime. Do can I really let this guy go? He's playing so well. You put five clean sheets together. There are going to be a lot of decisions that's going to be going to need to be made when when you're playing like that. So I think at the end of the day, play yourself into the job. And I think that's what he's doing. I think he's got the time to do it. We'll see if it ends up working out that way. But I mean, this is your time to shine. So go out there and take it. Jason Longshore had a good comparison as we chatted in post game. Which, by the way, if you haven't watched that, we tackled myself and Longshore tackled a lot of Atlanta United topics. Yeah. Right after the win, you can go to ninety two nine the game's Facebook page. It was on Facebook Live. And it was about 20 minutes long, just talking all things Atlanta United and, and MLS and international break. But he had a great comparison with uh, McMath out in Colorado. He was in the exact same situation when they brought in Tim Howard. Yep. And McMath was all of a sudden uh, everybody's top transfer keeper. I think Can right now is not only trying out for Atlanta United, he's trying out for 21 other MLS teams. Put that game tape out Somebody's going to need a keeper yeah. at some point. At the end of the day, that's the one thing you never cannot have as a great keeper. If you want to go far, I mean, in, in anything when it comes to, you know, when it comes to soccer, you need to have to uh, have a great keeper. And so this is his time to shine to say, hey, look, if you guys don't want to let me, if you guys don't want to keep me, I'll show the rest of the world I can play. And I mean, I, I, my, I tip the cap to the guy because I mean, he's been playing well so far. And like I said, that first game was definitely a little shaky, but it was shaky all around on defense. I think each week this defense will get better and it will start with the keeper. I think that pretty well uh, answers the question that we got on Periscope earlier uh, about Alec Can and how well he's played and what happens to him down the road. I don't think there's any question that Guzan is going to take over. Um, once he's able to, when the the transfer window opens up from Middlesbrough, which I believe is July, that's the yeah. the earliest that he can make it so over. So you think about that. You got three months. Yeah, I mean three months to go out there and you put six, seven sheets together. See what happens. Um, see, I'm sorry, sheets. Clean sheets. So fresh and so clean so, sheets. So fresh and so clean. Hey, look at you. You are see this guy. I'm telling tell y'all. Y'all know y'all be sleeping on Kyle. Man, top five security world, Kyle. That's how he rolls. That's actually an Andy Bunker special. Oh I, yeah, that is actually it Andy. Was, it was Bunker's idea. I'm just I'm spreading it to the world. You guys see, I work with some of the funniest cats here. Just look, you guys think we actually work here? We don't work. This is what we do. We have fun doing it all day, every day. Well, uh, one last cut I want to get into, and it, it transitions perfectly into Julian Gressel. Tata Martino, and we, we've talked about it, we've acknowledged Gressel and the key role that he played in the 4-0 win over Chicago. He acknowledged Gressel, Martino did, as a huge piece of Atlanta's midfield. So the first time we saw Julian was at the draft, and we thought he was a very good player. He understands the concepts of the game really well. Um, he's dynamic, he's good on the ball, um, and he's been important for us. That being said, we had a chance to talk with Gressel one-on-one after the 4-0 win. 
And uh, boy, what a great kid and a talented man on the midfield, too. And, and there's a reason that Martino, who obviously is a seasoned vet as a uh, football manager, a guy who's um, rubbed shoulders with royalty in the yes. football world, there's a reason that he's been starting the super draft pick, Gressel, the rookie, Gressel, over a number of established veterans. When you have a coach that's pretty much coached the best and played with the best and coached up against the best, and he has confidence in you as a player, that tells you all the things you need to know about a guy, especially a rookie and a young kid coming into it. He say, he sees something in you, so you want to go out there and make that coach look right. And I think also as a young player, as a coach, you want to make him proud because you're like, he's rolling the dice on me. At the end of the day, I want to say that you know, I don't ever want people that doubt that he believed in me over other people, so I'm going to show you guys why. And he played great. I mean, with the cross that ended up scoring, with the the pass that led to the uh, to the red card. He was it seemed like in every big play, he was somewhere around the ball, somewhere making plays. I think he shined a lot. That didn't show up a lot on the stat sheet, but if you watched him play, he was all over the field today and made great plays. If he wasn't the man of the match, I think he was the man of the first half. He yes. was the table setter, and Joseph Martinez was the one who cleaned up after dessert. Well, yeah, he ate everything. Right. Like y'all served the food. The guy comes in and eats all your food, drinks all your beer, puts his feet on your couch. He's that kind of player. When he comes in, he steps in and just owns the place. But I think yes, like you said, at the first half, it was all dressed. The way he played, this the speed he was coming out just seemed like every every ball that he played in or every you know kind of run that he made, it was just the perfect time, and it ended up resulting in everything that we needed in the first half. Well, let's hear from Julian Gressel again. This was in post game after a four nil win over Chicago. Julian, uh, what a huge win. What was the key to this massive victory in your eyes? Um, I mean, we had a game plan coming in. We knew that they wouldn't really press us high and that we could move the ball in the back and try to find space. But then we go up a goal, and then obviously the red card helps as well. Um, it gave us a lot more confidence. Obviously, after the goal, you see the red card happening, and then, yeah, we knew that if we keep the ball and if we keep the ball moving, explode the spaces that will open up automatically then uh, we'll be in good shape. What was the difference there around the 65th, 70th minute as things started to open up a little bit and then all of a sudden a floodgate with three extra goals late? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, we were patient and we knew that they were going to get tired because we moved the ball around. They had to defend for a very long time. Um, so then, yeah, spaces automatically open up and then uh, you exploit those and put our chances away at the end. He's Julian Gressel here on Off the Woodwork. You've played with, obviously, two different holding midfielders with Lorenowitz and Carmona. Any difference in those two guys playing on the midfield with you? Um, they're both pretty similar, I'd say, players. They both try to um, not attack too much and try to get the ball off the center backs and try to get the get our game plan going and get our game um, coming out of the back. Um, so it's not, it's not really too different. Obviously, we train um, the different ways, so it's not really a big adjustment for me. What difficulty has there been for you in this rookie season? Has there been a moment where you've said, man, this has been tough to learn in MLS? Not Maybe necessarily. Something Tata like Martino a, has, has tried to impress on you? Um, yeah, obviously he has, his, he has his thoughts of how he wants me to play in a, in a specific role in there. And uh, at first, it's uh, obviously you want to try and learn, and I don't do everything perfect um, in every single game, you know. But uh, So it's, uh, it's a learning yeah, experience on a daily basis. And... Uh, yeah, but that's just really, really it. It has not, not have been like a moment where I've been like, oh, man, I don't think I can do this or anything. You know, it's just all been progressively getting better and trying to, um, yeah, just find a way how to play in his uh, system in that role. One thing I've talked to, uh, to a couple different guys about is those outside backs pushing forward and really getting a part of the attack. How does that change things for you as a holding midfielder? What's the, the biggest, I guess, adjustment with Tata Martino's system with you kind of trying to stay back and help on defense when they're pushing so far forward? Um, I mean, we obviously try 
with those two so high, we always have to have um, at least one extra guy in the back. That's what we want to do. So if they have one forward, we need to have two at least in the back, which are the two center backs. Then, if they uh, have three, two forwards, then we need to have three in the back. So it's always a little balance and going forward and staying back. Um, obviously, you have to be aware where the numbers are and where they are and how many guys we have going forward, how many guys they have back, or how many guys they have front. So it's just a, a lot of yeah checks that you have to tick off before you can go forward. Michael Parker's the captain standing right behind you. How much talking does he do, not not right now, but on the field, how much talking does he do as the captain and, and kind of what's his role on this team? I mean, it's a big role because obviously he's the captain and especially for me, um, and sometimes I still have sometimes a little struggle with the Spanish um, and stuff, so he's like the English guy, speaking guy that's right behind me. Um, so it definitely helps. He has played in MLS for a very long time as well. He's played a lot of experience, has a lot of experience even overseas and stuff, so it definitely helps when he talks to me and uh, he suggests some things, he tries to correct me in a certain way. So it's, uh, I think it's been, been very good and very, very um, yeah, constructive going. Are you doing Rosetta Stone or anything to learn Spanish? Uh, no, I've actually ordered Greg Garza to give me some Spanish words um, uh, that I can just use like on the field words um, that I can learn um, outside of the field to, just to get better and just to yeah, understand uh, everything they say at some point. He's Julian Gressel here on Off the Woodwork. What does this international break do for the team now? Obviously the chemistry has built up over the last three matches, now almost a, a two-week break. Um, I don't know, because I've never experienced an international break in my career, so this will be a first time for me. But uh, I think now it's just, uh, yeah, for the guys that stay here, probably um, just recover um, at first and then get ready um, for Seattle. We have obviously a long time um, to prepare now, and uh, those guys will go do their thing and, uh, at the national team. But we'll, they know that once they come back, they'll be ready as well, and we'll be ready for Seattle and uh, go out there and play a good game there. Okay, Julian, thanks a lot for the time. Thank you. That's Julian Gressel here on Off the Woodwork. So I, I really think that Gressel had some great, great points, um, especially in talking about how his role as a holding midfielder changes with the outside backs pushing forward so far. And one of the things he noted is it's kind of a, a math equation on the back line. He talked about how you have to make sure, you have to, you have to see how many uh, players the other team is pressing forward so that you have enough guys to cover on the defense and then the outside backs can can push forward. So Gressel said he's a big part of kind of determining how many people to hold back before those outside backs in uh, Tyrone Mears on the right and Greg Garza on the left start pushing forward and getting into the attack. And it's like we've been saying since the beginning, you can't do that without communication, without understanding what the concept is on the defensive side of the ball. When you when we're playing, when we're sending guys, what where do I flow on here? Do I, if I'm covering out, if Garza goes, am I covering his spot? Like, if you don't have that kind of communication and working together, that's why it's great to have a skipper, I mean, sorry, to, get, to have a captain that's like Parkhurst that really can help you build into this position and know where your roles are and know what you want to do and know if this guy goes, you have to stay. That makes it so much easier for a young player to know that, hey, this is my role, this is when I go, this is when I stay, this is what I'm looking for. You give them certain keys to look for, it makes the game slow down for a younger player. And I think that's the key uh, for younger players, and just knowing your role. Once you know what your role is, it's a whole lot easier to flourish in that role. Skipper is an acceptable term for captain. Yeah, so I'm used to seeing. See, my thing is, I'm always say skipper, and I always think coach. Right. So it's like, because so, that's the baseball way. Yeah, skipper it's, it's is the coach, manager. Yeah, exactly. So but, it's like. But in soccer, boss is the manager. Yeah, exactly. Which is and skipper is the captain. This is what happens when you're you're nineteen ninety game. Just all sports. We just got we got it all. So it's good for one sport, and the next podcast it ain't for the other. <laughs> 
Well, uh, great chat with Gressel. Thanks a lot to him for the time and obviously to and Atlanta United. He had United. an amazing game. Amazing game. Yeah, and Atlanta United Media Relations for setting that up after the win as well. Um, so let's get into some discussion questions here following that win. We'll open up the, the, uh, the mailbag here shortly. We talked last week about Chicago being the line. In other words, to me, they were the average team, the team that is going to battle perhaps for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference and Atlanta would get an opportunity to see if they're above or below. I thought this was going to be a really closely fought match. I said it was going to finish 2-2. You were a little closer with a 2-1 final. Jason Longshore was the closest. He said it would be 2-0. Nobody saw 4-0, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Nobody saw an absolute blowout like this because we thought it would at least be a, a close one. But in your mind, did we actually learn who this Atlanta United team is? In other words, with the red card, with the sending off in the 12th minute, how much did that change this game in your mind, and, and does it kind of throw it out the window as a, quote, legitimate result? I guess mine is a little bit different. If you take the front half, the front seven, I think that you learned a lot about them, that they were still able to be able to break down a defense that was packed in, that was parking the bus, that had eight guys in front of the box. You learned that even when you send everybody back to the defend, these guys can still make plays and still be able to create shots. So I thought that was very, you know, a good thing to see as as a United supporter to see that, you know, even if a team's packing the bus against us, we're still going to be able to create opportunities. And we had opportunities. We could have had two more goals. We were talking about it off air. We could have had two more goals that were kind of just left out there that we just didn't finish on. On the defensive side, I still didn't get really get much questions answered because they didn't have much chances to kind of show what they do out there. So I think we still have questions when it comes to that. I thought Can made some good saves. I thought there were some great, you know, great coverage back on the defensive side of the ball, but there wasn't really much, you know, they didn't really have much to do because when you're playing 10 guys, like we were saying, you're going to park a lot of that and kind of look to counter. So I think the defense still has some questions that need to be answered, but I thought the offense just showed us even more how more potent they are. You could leave everybody back there and they still don't care. Yeah. I thought that this was going to be the game where we'd actually see it because they had played New York Red Bulls, one mm-hmm. of the top teams in the East. They had played Obviously, Minnesota United, one of the bottom teams yep. that perhaps MLS has ever hey, seen. they got a point. They did See, get a point. I need 34 more. Yeah. 34 more, and Craig's right. They got a point uh, <laughs> against Colorado, no less. Scored two goals. Yeah. Oh, what? And went down 10 guys. Uh, that was Jeez. shocking that they survived that one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Minnesota, I think, showed that they're a better team than we gave them credit for a week ago. <laughs> exactly. For that, for that fire we saw, that, that uh, dumpster fire we saw there. Or a maybe week ago. Colorado's not as good. Maybe yeah. they're, they're True. you know, reg- uh, what's they could the be term? Regressing. regressing to the yeah, mean. They could yeah. be regressing. And that's what's crazy about this team. Like I said, our team going forward is now that that buzz that they're creating on the offensive side, that they can, you can bark eight guys, you can park nine guys, you can bring all 10 guys back there, and it's not going to matter. These guys are going to still find a way to create opportunities. And, you know, it's a really exciting thing. Um, I like you said, we got a couple of weeks off, and I kind of have some questions still going on the defensive side that still need to be answered. But I love the way that the opportunities that we're creating on the offensive side. And I don't want to throw this result out, so I, I don't want to take away the. I said legitimacy, I think earlier. I don't want to throw this out the window and say that it's not a legitimate win. I'm just not sure that we have a complete picture yeah. of where Atlanta United is as a team because they've had really, really big blowouts. I think they're better than Chicago Fire. I don't think they're four, four goals yeah, better yeah, than Chicago goals, Fire. Yeah, that's tough, especially when the team's not trying on the other end because they're pretty much trying to hold up the dam from collapsing. They don't want to be 6-1. They saw 6-1. They saw what you did last week and know that it can easily be done to them. So you're like, hold on, we don't want to be a laughing stock out here. Let's go Let's go out there and try to make this respectable. And, and I think that they took away a lot of the opportunities they would have had chances. If you're playing 11-on-11, 11 11, there would have been a lot more. Like I said, they had, we had the ball 90% of the time. I mean, that just that's happen. not happening if you're playing you know, even squad. So. 
Well, a lot of people have pointed to now the Seattle match on March 31st as the first real test. But remember, that's just a couple of days after the international break ends and you're going to have a, a couple of guys missing from both sides. Seattle sent five guys to their national teams. Yep. Um, Atlanta United sent four guys, including three starters with uh, Carmona, Almiron and Martinez all to their national teams. And then Kenwin Jones being the other. So with these guys leaving, you have to imagine somebody's going to be resting for that game at Seattle. It's a Friday night game, which yeah, is which even bizarre. makes it even tougher. Yeah, because it's like now you're playing Friday night, just getting back off of Tuesday games. It's like, and you're flying oh like seven thousand miles. Like I mean, flying from Atlanta to Seattle's tough. Like we remember that we were on the Falcons plane that flew all the way out to Seattle. Like that's a tough flight to do on a regular normal chartered plane. Flying from the Caribbean or South America, that's a long flight. So I mean, I understand these guys are young and you bounce back and they bounce back a lot faster than we do. But after you've been playing a couple of matches over here and you're dead tired and you got to fly all the way out to the West Coast, to the Pacific Northwest, that's a tough place to fly to. And, oh, by the way, they have a pretty strong fan base there too that's going to be rowdy for this game as well. The good news is that Atlanta United and Seattle are both going to have to deal with these issues. Yeah. It's not just one side or the other that was sending multiple guys to their national teams. But uh, it, it's I don't think it's a legitimate indication of where Atlanta United is so I think you have to go even further in the schedule and it's going to be a long time before United gets to come home too I mean they don't play at home again until April 30th yeah and all that because of spring practices I mean you can't play at Bobby Dodd when Georgia Tech is getting ready to to run the triple option gotta run that triple option gotta get it ready (laughs) you do need all that spring practice too to learn that offense true that they've been running for 100 years you would think they know it by now no doubt well um It's the international break now. Tata Martino gave his take on what the team will work on over the break and really whether or not the break came at a bad time. When we have this time to train, we just have to take advantage to keep gaining trust in our style of play and how we want to play and to keep working on that during the break. And after the game in Seattle, we'll know if it was a good or a bad time for the break. I love that. We'll see what the result looks like, and then I can tell you if this was good or bad. That's the perfect answer. And it's really the only way you can (laughs) answer that question. You don't know what it's going to do to team chemistry. I mean, the team team has obviously built chemistry. I remember asking Tata Martino in his very first uh, preseason press conference, two days before the opener a couple of weeks back. I asked him, how long do you expect it to take for this team to start showing signs that they're grasping your philosophy and what you're trying to do? Well, really, we saw against New York Red Bulls, it took about 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they pretty well dominated the middle 60 minutes of that game. So, And then, of course, the next two matches, it's just been absolute blowouts. They've taken to this a lot more quickly than we ever anticipated. But now you have a long, nearly two-week break where you don't play again until March 31st. That's a long, long time for a team that seems to be finding its form pretty early. You hope that everybody after they're well-rested, comes back and they're all on the same page of the book after it's all over. No, you're right. I think it is tough, especially when you guys, you said a guy like Martinez who just seems like anything he touches goes in the back of the net. You kind of want to keep feeding that beast. So I understand that point of the view. But I also, I look at it from a different point of view of now this allows the guys on the bench that haven't got the chance to really have that shine, that that quality time with the number ones to actually get out there and play with the number ones. So I think that's going to be a good thing to be able to get some of these young guys out there to play. Also with this back four, I'm all for it. That's the one great thing. These guys are all staying together. They all have time to get more reps together because I think the more reps on this defense plays together, the better they are going to be going forward. So I'm happy on that piece of it. So I kind of look at, you know, as as we always hear in all sports terms, next man up. This is your chance to kind of shine because, like you said, you're not going to get many chances where Martinez isn't around. So, especially the way he's playing, you're not going to really, you know, show. You know, this is a chance for to show show the coach that hey, you know what, coach, 
in the AAF Mid, you can bring me on if you need a goal. This is what I can do. So this is kind of people's opportunities to remind Coach of what you can do when given the chance. Uh, by the way, I should clarify that people won't be missing after the uh, international duty is up, after the international window is over. Um, they're just probably going to be resting. Yeah, Everybody be will be back, and they'll be available for selection for the starting eleven. It's just a matter of you who Tata Martino wants You may be wearing windbreakers yeah. there, but you'll be there. Yeah. Right. Um, and we'll give you the, the national team schedule for everybody as well. Alec can touched on one more thing, though. He obviously doesn't have any national team duties and can discuss what the team that is staying behind can work on throughout training. Yeah, we need to just, I mean, we're still a, a group that's relatively new, so we need to continue to work on our organization, um, especially going on the road. We're going to play in some hostile environments, so we need to um, have that synergy um, where we can uh, move without having to actually say something. So that was Alec Cannon, what they need to improve on. He talked about uh, chemistry and uh, really just everybody, again, getting and staying on the same page. And uh, the fact that you mentioned it actually off mic, and I thought it was a great point, CCV, the back line is going to stay together because Greg Garza wasn't selected to the U.S. men's national team. He obviously would have preferred to be yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. He preferred, but, a lot of us that like the national team preferred him to be there, too. And <laughs> I think he was playing with a chip on his shoulder, too, trying to make a statement on Saturday against Chicago. The guy that was, I should have been picked. Yeah. Back-to-back weeks now of MLS players, uh, players of the week. I mean, the guy's showing that he's he should have been picked, and so... It's as a United fan, I'm glad he gets to stay back. But as a Nash, as United States being my home, I think he should have been on the team. Yeah, I think Garza was offended. In fact, when Tata Martino was asked last week in his uh, his weekly press conference, uh, he was asked if if he was offended that Garza didn't get selected. He said, "I don't want to talk about it right yeah, now." Exactly. So he declined to comment. See, he listened to his mama. If you don't say nothing nice, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing nice at all. Right. That's what mama used to say. So anyway, the back line will stay together. They'll continue to to build and grow. And um, obviously, Michael Parkhurst, uh, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, who uh, Jason Longshore said repeatedly, and I I agree with him that if you can't pick Miguel Almiron or Joseph Martinez as your MVP so far this season for Atlanta United. He says Gonzalez Perez on the back line. He's played it. amazing. He's yeah. played amazing on this back line. That's and they complement each other so well. Him and Parker just complement each other. I think it's one of those great dynamic duels that you see that you've seen over the years when it comes to great back lines. When you think of uh, Real Ferdinand and uh, Vidich, you had those guys that are just ones and twos. Some guys that play play the play the box better. Some guys attack better. They are they're becoming that dynamic duel, that Batman and Robin when it comes to uh, the back four. Well, let's uh, let's open up the mailbag. We've teased it all show long. So, uh, again, you can submit your mailbag questions by using the hashtag off the W, and we'll be monitoring that throughout the week and um, getting some questions. Uh, we had a number of people actually check in. Yeah, yeah, you guys have been sending them. As soon as we tell you all questions, y'all got like tons of them. So, yeah. yes. And for those who are watching this recording live on Periscope, you can chime in as well. Uh, you can join the mailbag segment. Uh, we'll answer whatever we, we see pop as up fast, over as there. As fast as we can read them, we'll, we'll definitely read them first. So uh, you want to take the first one yeah. uh, from Bart? Bart checked in. He said, okay, first question, pretty obvious. Was it a deserved red card for Johan Kapilhoff? By the letter of the law, yes. I mean, if if it had been the roles reversed, I would have been extremely mad if, if, if United had gotten a red card there. I definitely saw it was a yellow 12 minutes in the game, that's kind of tough to just automatically out of the gate. If you had been warning somebody something and they did something like that, then I could see it. But that's a really tough red to take so early in the game. But by the letter of the law, I understand the call. Yeah, and I agree. I, I, my first thought, I, I was shocked that the referee took so long to pull the yeah. red card out of yeah. his back pocket. Um, but Joseph Martinez 
has a goal easily. Oh, yeah. If Kapelhoff doesn't take him down like that, you understand Kapelhoff trying to slow him down as best he can. And I think that's something you're going to see a lot this season because Martinez is so explosively fast that back lines are doing anything they can to, to try to plug those holes so he can't fit through. And obviously he's getting a couple of very close offsides calls too because he's just so fast. They have no chance. Yeah, they, I mean, it's hard to, to tell. To tell people, and I've been and I've been saying out here, and I think it's a really good comparison. He reminds me of another Atlanta player. He is literally he's literally Julio Jones. That's what, if you ask me, who he is Julio Jones. He's bigger, faster, stronger than everyone else out there. They have no chance covering him. You're just at the mercy of whatever he wants to do. He he is Julio Jones, and Amaron is like Matt Ryan. Because the way he passes the ball, the way he feeds him, one and we saw in that second goal was an amazing touch from Almiron to him right on his foot, shook the goalie back of the net. You have no chance. I mean, shook the keeper back of the net. You have no chance there. So it's like, I think that those guys, if there are new Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, that the stuff where they were a little bit different. His number was eleven instead of seven. He'd be Julio Jones because that's how that's the way he plays uh, the game of soccer. So was it a deserved red card? I think yes, it was. The guys from Univision didn't think so, but the call on ninety two nine the game dot com from Adam Schick, Jason Longshore, uh, they both thought that it was a deserved red and that it was the right one. You could go either way, but by the letter of the law, by it was it was a scoring chance, and Kappelhoff did all he could and and blatantly took him down it was yeah. intentional we, we've seen these rules in so many different sports i don't believe the tuck rule is a rule but you know what it's a rule so at the end of the day you got to go with what's on the book so yeah uh second one from here from uh, jay riddle jay riddle said how will atlanta united option to buy work or play uh, sorry out uh, well, uh, let's try reading that in english this time how will united options to buy work slash play out of the end of joseph martinez loan spell so i guess what he's asking you is Joseph Martinez has the kind of the option to buy on his contract. How is that going to work out in the United's factor? You know, what are they going to do when it comes to something like that? The school for kids to learn to read good and do other good exactly. other things good too. Hooked on phonics works for me, baby. <laughs> Tell you, University of Washington's finest right there. That's why I had a football scholarship. <laughs> well, on Joseph Martinez's um, option to buy for Atlanta United, he's on loan from Torino. For those who don't know, out of Serie A, um, and it, it, the way the Italian media was reporting it coming out and I haven't seen the contract I don't know how true this is but the way they were reporting it when the deal was made is that if Joseph Martinez hits certain milestones we don't know what those are but if he hits certain milestones for Atlanta United it's not an option to buy it's an obligation to buy okay and so he basically belongs to Atlanta United as long as he works out at Atlanta United and just from the reports coming out of Italy I can't confirm or deny these rumors I just know what they were reporting when it was made but the uh, the contract says that Atlanta United has an opt-out if Martinez didn't work out. So if he comes over and he struggles mightily, United doesn't have the obligation to buy. Yeah. But if he hits certain milestones, which I imagine at this point he's on pace yeah, to hit yeah, with pretty, five pretty goals well. in three games. Unless his milestones are 50 goals, then yeah, he should be good. <laughs> so, uh, Jay, to answer your question, that's, that's as far as I understand it and as far as the Italian media knows, that's the deal with Joseph Martinez is that if he hits those milestones, whatever they are, he'll be with the five stripes on a permanent basis. And being a United fan, I'm hoping he hits those mar- those marks that have been set for him in his contract because I don't want to see him playing or going anywhere else. So, yes. So, our last uh, question from Twitter this week came from at Eric Menglert. Eric M. Englert, I guess it is. Uh, Eric, thanks for the, the question. Gressel has been outstanding in the last two matches, but his only real test in midfield was against New York Red Bulls, who is the real Julian Gressel. Uh I'll I'll tackle this one. Yeah, cuz yeah, cuz because he, I don't think that his only test in midfield was against New York Red Bulls. I think that Chicago Fire even though they had to drastically change tactics, 
they still have a really good midfield with Dax McCarty and Juninho. I mean, yep. they turned that thing over. So I think the fact that Gressel had such a good game, especially in the first 12 minutes before the red card, I mean, that was a pretty severe test on the midfield against those two guys. And he was winning that test. He was winning that test. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think that the only test he's had has come against New York Red Bulls. Granted, Minnesota, okay, I understand the yeah. point there. But he had a tougher chance against the snow than against that midfield. But yes. I think the real JG is who we've seen, and there's a reason that Tata Martino continues to give him the nod in the starting XI. Well, I think the real JG we haven't even seen yet because I think this kid's just going to be getting. Be- I think he's going to get better and better at the end of the day um, when it comes down to what he wants to do and what he can be able to do out on the field. So when you ask what is the real one, I think we haven't even seen it yet. I think that we're only scratching the surface when it comes to this kid's talent because at the end of the day, when we look back at the end of the season, when you see where he was at Game 3 and where he's at at the end of the season, it's going to be clear night and day what kind of player he's become. So once again, that's the mailbag. You can use the hashtag off the W, and we'll be following that throughout the week leading into each podcast. By the way, it seems we've settled on a schedule for the show. It seems we're going to be recording every Monday night yes. and releasing every Tuesday. we both Tuesday. have no lives. We have no lives on Monday right. night. So. And we're usually here yes. you know, in the middle of the night on Monday. <laughs> usually we're stuck here overnight, so it kind of works, kills two birds with one stone. So it kind of works out perfect for us. Um, so anyway, uh, you can shoot us those questions throughout the week as they pop up to you. Hashtag off the W. You can also follow the show on Twitter at off the W929. Uh, so one final topic, we've talked about international duty, now the international break, and nobody on the U.S. men's national team for Atlanta United, Greg Garza, was obviously, um, I thought, a favorite to be selected. It's unfortunate that Bruce Arena didn't think so, but um, U.S. men's national team this week, a couple of uh, World Cup qualifiers, they take on Honduras on Friday. Honduras. That's a, a 10.30 kick, and then Panama on Tuesday at 10.05. That Honduras game is going to be a tough one. Yes. that's It's going to be an exciting one to watch. Especially with this team, it's kind of got their back against the wall now. They kind of have, yeah. you got to start getting points soon. So, I mean, you know, Arena came in saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kind of get away from what, you know, Klingsman was doing. We're going to go back to what the style that he likes to play. So, Cross fingers, I wasn't a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of retreads. I've just never been that guy in any sport. I just don't think you had your shot. You kind of didn't do well. Kind of bring you back the same thing. It's never kind of been my cup of tea, but I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he learned from his first chance here, and I hope the United States, because at the end of the day, the, the name on the front means most, and so I'm hoping that the USA can, can look a lot better than what we've seen out there before. And we'll have a little bit more next week on the uh, the international break, U.S. men's national team play and all that. Um, Obviously, Atlanta United will not have played a game by our next podcast on Monday. Uh, But for the guys on Atlanta United who are playing for their national teams, Joseph Martinez playing for Venezuela. They'll take on Peru Thursday and then Chile on Tuesday. Carlos Carmona plays for Chile, and they'll take on Argentina on Thursday and then Venezuela on Tuesday. So those two will be playing so against some, each other. Get some uh, teammate uh, friendly fire, huh? Yeah. Get some man on man. Remember, you guys don't tackle each other. Right. <laughs> there you go. Stay away. Carmona will try not to do his Kapelhoff impression and just take <laughs> down Martinez. In the or here, line. just grab him early and get thrown out of the game. That's cool. As long as you guys go rest, that's good. Just go sit down. I'm, I don't know that Carmona's going to actually play for Chile. I think he'll probably be a substitute for them. And then Miguel Amaron for Paraguay. They'll take on Ecuador Thursday and Brazil on Tuesday. Kenwin Jones, also named to the Trinidad and Tobago team. He's a a past captain of TNT yeah. and who knows if he'll actually be because they seem to be a little bit disheveled and they're a mess right now yeah exactly so it's like I mean <laughs> that's one of those you're like 
hey, just go have fun, guys. Go out there and just, uh, you know, at the end right of the day. Right now. We, we, They've we, been good we, in the past. Yeah, we kind of talked about this last week. It's it's one of those, it's the pride you get to play for your home country. Right. So, you know what? Go out there and have that fun and have that pride. And like I said, and, you know, cross your fingers because you're going to need it. You know, that, that takes me to another cut. Joseph Martinez actually touched on that, talking about playing for the Venezuela national team. And I thought it was really interesting uh, the way that he set it up because somebody asked him, you know, d- what does it mean to you? You obviously play for Atlanta United. Why is it such a big deal to go and, and play for your national team? And he had an interesting answer. The games are really important. When you're playing for your national team, it's it's not just the shirt that you're wearing. You're playing for the whole country that's behind you. Um, we just have to fight for 90 minutes in these two really important matches. Um, and I think we're, we're coming in in good form. And we're going to try and get positive results and be able to move up in the standings. That's a totally foreign concept to U.S. sports fans. Yeah. And we've talked about this on past podcasts. I'm sure we'll expound on a little more next week. But uh, it's a foreign concept. I, I think about the World Baseball Classic going on right now. It's always club over country. In soccer, it's the opposite. It's country totally over the club. It's yeah. a huge honor. It's, it's such an honor to play for. And it's also... One of the biggest ridicules, you you will get dogged out in certain countries if you don't want to play for your team because they're not getting paid for that. It's just more, it's pride. You're out there, you know, you're not getting a check. You're not getting this, all this, you know, hookup that you would get when you play for your team. You know, the Doce Cabana deals. Also, that's You're not getting that to play for your home country. It's the pride of, like I said, the name on the front and how that represents and being able to hear your national anthem playing in that stadium and you singing along to it. That's 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 what you get for this. So they have a lot, a lot of players have a, they have a lot of pride when it comes to this stuff, and that's why it means so much. And that's why the World Cup is such a huge huge event because at the end of the day, we all can cheer for our own countries. You know, you can always cheer for home. So Kenwin Jones, Trinidad and Tobago, they'll take on Panama Friday, and then Mexico on Tuesday. All four of those names again will be available for selection on March 31st at Seattle. Tata Martino may choose. To rest some, though. The Sounders are also sending five. They've got Clint Dempsey and Jordan Morris, of course, for the U.S. men's national team. And then Roman Torres out of Panama, Jovan Jones out of Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, Nicholas Lodero for Uruguay. 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 Well, um, that's about it. Wrapping up a a 4-0 win over Chicago. We'll have a lot more on Seattle next week. And I also understand Jason Longshore is going to join us to help break down the tactics for um, matches coming up. So uh, he has more MLS knowledge than anybody I've met in my life. And Kyle had said it. If you guys get the chance, go back on 99 The Game. Kyle got a chance to sit down and talk with him pre-game and post-game. He had some amazing insights in breaking down the game with some of the stuff he saw because you want to hear what he says because you learn something every time you hear him talking about soccer. He's a great, a great listener and a great follow. Uh, so definitely when you get a chance, follow his info and listen to stuff because he's a guy who knows soccer. At Longshoe on Twitter. He's also, of course, the um, host of Soccer Down Here, their daily podcast, which I highly recommend if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Uh, I'm a, a daily listener to that on my way downtown. He does a great job. See, there you go. Like I said, so, uh, we have all the great people here. Next week, uh, we'll be getting audio from training throughout the week from Tata Martino and a, a host of Atlanta United guys who are staying behind and not playing for, for their national teams. So we'll uh, get together on Monday night once again a week from now and uh, release something next Tuesday. So hope to talk to you then. For Craig Carlos Valentino, I'm Kyle Tate. Again, follow the show on Twitter at OffTheW929. Craig, let's do it again. You know what? 
Let's do that. I think this was a lot of fun. We got a little bit of time on our hands, but this should be a blast, and I can't wait to do it again. It's like Joseph Martinez scoring goals. He had such a good time scoring one, he decided to do it five times. And the best part is the pose at the end. Just just stand there like you, like you just <laughs> owned the world. There you go. Just flex on him. Way to get it, Martinez. Peace. Again, he's CCV. I'm Kyle Tate. So long. Asad, Makan checks in. Won't get it. Yamin's still on it. Goes first time. Martinez!